0: And welcome back, folks, to Crest in the Afternoon. We're all called to explain and defend the faith with clarity and charity. But you know what? There's a right way to do things, and there's a wrong way to do that and to help us Uh, avoid three major mistakes that a lot of us uh, defenders of the faith make is Trent Horn. Trent earned a master's degree in the fields of theology, philosophy, and bioethics. He serves as a staff apologist for Catholic answers, where he specializes in teaching Catholics how to graciously and persuasively engage those who disagree with them. He's the author of nine books, including answering atheism, the case for Catholicism and why we're Catholic, and Trent welcome to Crest in the Afternoon.
1: Gary, thank you for having me on. Do send my regards to Al. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Will do. And uh, yeah, I, you're the man when it comes to advice in how to share the faith. Uh, you've, you've had some gr- great debates on a number of issues, everything from atheism to Protestant Catholic issues, And so uh, how did you uh, narrow the the span down of all the possible mistakes that we need to avoid when defending the faith?
1: Well, I thought, you know, people, when I was asked originally to talk about this in a a previous interview, uh, oh, don't make this particular error, watch out for this fact that's not correct. But I thought it's better to think, okay, there's a broad overarching kind of themes of mistakes one makes, when going out and defending the face. And uh, by the way, I always tell people it's okay to make mistakes. It's just not okay to refuse to learn from them. Nobody does this stuff perfectly. I'm still learning every day. But that's Mm -hmm. why it's important to recognize, oh, this might not be the best strategy. And uh, if you can learn from my mistakes, that's always uh, easier than having to learn from one's own mistakes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So practical experience is so important, and uh, especially uh, listening to people who have kind of tread that path before us, because uh, that way we can uh, make our uh, defense for the faith more effective, rather than stumbling over the same things they stumbled.
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah so um, what are the three big mistakes? Let's let's jump right into it.
1: Um, sure. Uh, well, here, I'll just go through, I'll, I'll tell you the three right now, and then we can go um, through each of them one by one, if you like. Basically, I boil it down to, and I've ranked them in ascending order of importance, Uh, so it would be lack of rigor, followed by lack of charity, and then finally, the most important or the the most uh, concerning error, I should say, or mistake, is lack of a proper spirituality. So we want to make Mm -hmm. sure we have proper rigor, proper charity, and proper spirituality when we go out and do apologetics and defend the faith. So let's start with rigor, then. Uh, Rigor would just be making sure that uh, we have good evidence uh, for our arguments, uh, that we can back up what we're saying. Uh, In previous talks, I've told people I like to make my evidence bulletproof. Uh, That way, you know, when someone goes after my argument, uh, I can easily document the source of what I'm saying. uh, And I'm not overstating my evidence. That's something you have to be very careful about. One way that people fall into a trap of not being rigorous is sometimes when they make ab- usually like when they make absolute or unqualified statements uh, that can be dangerous because it only takes one example to disprove an absolute. So saying something like "every church father believed in X" uh, or "every church father defended a particular doctrine" uh, and that may be true, but the problem is. Uh, not every church father writes on every doctrine. Uh, you know, we don't have all of the, we we, we have writings, they're, they're lost. You don't have everything the church fathers wrote on. So it may be the case that a church father believed in something, but they never happened to write on that doctrine, which doesn't look good for you if you claim that all of them defended X or something like that. Uh, so it might be better to say something like, no church father denies X or something like that, because that's easier to find. And that's just one example that when you, or like with the fathers, when you're quoting them, make sure that you, uh, you go to the primary source. I've seen some examples where apologists all cite each other on a quote from the church fathers, and it turns out the quote, it's, it's not genuine. So going back yeah. to the primary source, the original document's always a good bet. And that's just the general thing of being rigorous, crossing our T's, dotting our I's when we're assembling our evidence.
0: Yeah, and uh, so uh, let me, real quick, what happens if you you don't have the capacity to check out primary source evidence? Like sometimes it's in Latin or whatever, and uh, so you can't check out. What's what's a good advice for someone to make sure that their citations are sound?
1: Well, I think one helpful thing here is to go through many uh, secondary sources as much as you can. If it's a secondary source that is hostile to you, that's very helpful. So, if you can find a Protestant scholar who will cite this, uh, that's helpful because they're not necessarily inclined to want to help you. Uh, so, that would be one option. Another option might be if you're having trouble finding a primary source, oftentimes, let's say it's in a language you don't understand or it's in a, a volume you don't access, uh, find an expert who does have access and send them an email. A lot of times, <laughs> right? you know, you've got prof- you, people might think, Oh, sorry, Gary.
0: Oh, no, no, I, I was totally agreeing with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, because a lot of times I think, oh, this person doesn't have time for me. Don't worry, a lot of these professors in very, very obscure fields, it's not like people are knocking down their doors. In fact, they'll probably be delighted to say, hey, someone emailed me from my department webpage and wants to know about this. And they can help you as an expert to uh, track down the primary source sometimes
0: yeah absolutely I, I know uh many of them keep office hours for students, and usually they 're just in there twiddling their thumbs so uh, in a query like right. that you know they would welcome it yeah great advice Absolutely. so uh, yeah maybe uh, one more would be if make sure that they give you a citation for the source, many times sources are quoted and they 'll just say. You know, Anselm, or you know, something like that, and your book, your fantastically popular book on uh, quotations from the saints that they never gave, yes. <laughs> it does just that. It's you know these spurious quotations.
1: Yeah, make sure you can you can cite it. And what's great is though a lot of for a lot of the fathers, for example, there are free sources online. Uh, like a lot of times, I'll, if I'll get a quotation. Uh, I'll go to New Advent or the online Shaft collection and you can, you can find it. But it's always helpful. You just want to be, uh, and it's not just the Church Fathers, any kind of evidence you use. You might hear someone say, oh, X, a statement. Well, let me make sure I have the source on that. That way I I know exactly where it's coming from. The more, the closer it is, the, the better it is
0: yeah absolutely. So rigor is so important because you don't want to uh, have unqualified claims or unsourced claims where it could be embarrassing. Uh, the second one is even more important, charity.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And this can be taken in one of uh, two ways when we talk about charity. First is the more common view is being charitable, being kind, uh, having not having a triumphal, or a condescending tone when we are engaging others, uh, seeking to understand them, treating them how we would want to be treated in these engagements, so not when we're defending the faith, t- telling people, oh, here's, you know, that's a stupid thing to believe. Here, let me, let me tell you what the Catholic Church teaches. You know, something condescending or, or rude, uh, that would be a, a common way of understanding charitableness. Uh, this can also relate to rigor, though in that sometimes we can be a person can be uncharitable towards another person's argument like they'll put forward i've seen uh, some protestant apologists do this where they will read uh let's say for example saint alphonsus ligori his work the glories of mary where he is not writing an apologetic work he's writing devotional work and paying homage and tribute to mary sometimes a very flowery and lofty language and taking that language and reading it very, very strictly to make it seem like Catholics are are, de- are deifying, uh, you know, that they're they're turning Mary into a, a goddess. That's reading the work in a very unchar, you know, you can and we can do that too. So always try to strengthen your opponent's argument, see it in its strongest light, and then and then refute it. So charity works in that respect as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very good. And yeah, and uh, I know it's disarming when you're able to repeat to the opponent their own position and make it even stronger. <laughs> right. Cuz that that will get their attention.
1: It certainly will. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, rigor, uh charity, uh, sp- uh proper spirituality. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, this is the most important one um, yeah. because some people there's a, a temptation in doing apologetics of the sin of pride of thinking that you are holding the faith up with your arguments and you're so great doing apologetics. And that's and I've seen people who were former apologists, Catholic commenters, people who would do this stuff all the time. Then all of a sudden they're not Catholic or they're atheists and they've really fallen off the wagon hard. And become very bitter towards the faith they once defended, and uh, it wasn't really intellectual. Uh, part of it was maybe, but I think it was a spiritual detachment before it became an intellectual detachment. So confusing mm. uh, studying the Bible with reading the Bible, uh, you know, confusing uh, developing arguments to defend the real presence versus worshiping uh, Christ at, at the liturgy uh, through the liturgy. So that's incredibly important to not forget that. And if we do not have a proper spiritual life, we're going to be uncharitable. We're going to lack rigor. Uh, everything flows kind of downstream from that. So that's why very, very important to keep a balance and realize you don't have to do study all the time. You need to also have a proper prayer life and a, a sacramental life.
0: Yeah, and that is a huge temptation for someone who defends their faith on a regular basis to reduce the right. faith down to it like an intellectual exercise. Right.
1: Dangerous yeah. because you don't know everything, you know. You yeah. you might get you. And then the problem here is the apologist ends up. If I can't refute that argument, it can't be refuted. So I guess the Catholic Church is wrong. Well, have you thought of a third option that you're just not that bright and you don't know how to refute <laughs> it? <laughs> right. You know that's happened to yeah. me a few times. Uh, yeah. So it may, and that's why avoiding pride is so important. To realize you're you're part of two thousand years of tradition. That's church's not going anywhere. But if you can take the gifts the lord has given you and in explaining the faith and defending it to help others then god bless you do it but make sure you always keep a proper balance when you do that
0: yeah absolutely and uh so uh, we're coming up to the end of the segment where can people go to access all your great books and articles and so on
1: well i have a podcast called the council of trent c-o-u-n-s-e-l uh they can find that on youtube on google play on itunes uh, so audio and also a video podcast, as I said, on YouTube. They can also support it at trenthornpodcast.com, and they can check out my website, trenthorn.com.
0: All right, Trent, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm Gary Machuda, sitting in for El Crusta. You're listening to Cresta in the Afternoon. We'll be right back.